On tonight's episode of Eureka Cast Now, new evidence for extinct mammal Lawton thought a hoax. A man vaporized by Mount Vesuvius finally tells his story. And our special feature tonight, Omnicron, what we know and how to prepare yourself for the latest chapter in the pandemic. following program is an artistic work of fiction and falsehood. The views expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the broadcasters or the management thereof. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, I'm glad you're here. I'm lead media disruption developer Kai Hubris, and this is EurekaCast Now, where we discuss the latest news in science, but also technology. With me, as always, is Professor Rowan Meadowlark from the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science. Hello there, Rowan. Hello, Kai, and secure salutations on this positively frigid night here on the south side of Chicago. It certainly is. Mu- it's it's getting frigid out there, Rowan. Um, yes, it's forced me to break out my uh, coat, you know, my mm. gloves, uh, my balaclava, which I love breaking out at this time of year. Mm. The expressions that people have when they see this thing that's been hand-knit and the patterns thereon... Mm. Um, you can tell, I'm assuming everyone in the neighborhood knows that winter starts when good old Rowan Meadowlark puts on his hand-knit balaclava. Exactly. And everybody here at Tech Brothers New Media Labs knows that uh, it's wintertime when when uh, when Kai over here has on the second hoodie. Uh, two hoodies. This is a two-hoodie night, Rowan. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, so it's obviously, it's, it's wintertime. It's that time of year. Uh, it's December, so it's that time of year when children across the world await that jolly old elf, Santa Claus, with his bag full of goodies. I don't know if Santa Claus would be considered an elf canonically, but um, please continue. Um, sure. Uh, so, however, uh, although Santa Claus is obviously a mainstay in households across the world, um, in possibly most of them, uh, it is also prime time for some precocious youths uh, to start to question how one man, the the Santa Claus himself, can possibly deliver presents to every single child on earth in one night. And, and you know, honestly, that is sort of a uh, turning point for a lot of children and actually causes mm-hmm. quite a bit of trauma that comes up later. Right. The understanding that Santa Claus is not real and how that's handled. So handling that is of paramount importance for mental wellness and, in fact, psychic wellness as well. Uh, yeah, for, for children, for children everywhere. Um, children of all ages. Exactly. Um, from all walks of life. Uh, New Media Labs, however, uh, has decided to address this problem by partnering with St. Nicholas himself to help solve this logistical problem. The Catholic Church? No, St. Saint, Saint Nicholas is another name for Santa Claus. Right. Um, so we're partnering, partnering with Santa Claus this year. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so this year we will be supporting Santa's team of IT elves to develop advanced algorithms to, to help deliver so many presents. Yes, delivering presents to the over 2.2 billion children of the world would be effectively impossible if it was not for one special trick that Santa keeps up his sleeve, and that is data. Uh, not that it that Santa Claus is a fictional 
character who you are um you are acting on our show for adults as if um what 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 are you, what is this Kai? What is this? We're just, we just want to help make sure that Christmas runs smoothly, and this is a uh, this is a continuing. This is the second part of our uh, last year. We had uh, Safer Santa Part One, and this is just a, the next level of of Safer Santa, the next version two of Safer Santa, Safer Santa One More Year. And because of that, we are ma- making this uh, this new tool that Santa's using accessible to you too whether you be adult citizen scientists or children citizen scientists around the world. It's accessible to you. Uh, parents around the world will be delighted by the joy and wonder in their child's eyes when they see Santa's secret and magical source code accessible on their very own personal computers. Now, let me ask this, Kai. Yes. Is this um, – are you reading this from something? Are you are you reading this this spiel that uh, – that uh, and presenting it as a story? I I have some notes, Rowan. Right. I mean, I don't – I feel like – you also have some notes. I, I mean, we'd like to keep notes. I want to make sure that I'm I'm communicating the most correct and uh, and ex, uh, applicable information here. I want to make sure I'm not forgetting anything. So obviously, I have some notes in front of me, right? And that's how I know I can tell the citizen science that's out there that if you uh, if you go view uh, this uh, Santa's uh, magical source code, uh, you will you and your child will actually get your own holiday themed NFT of Safer Santa himself. Wow, uh, that's um, that sounds like an advertisement, Kai. I'm just reporting the facts here, Rowan. Right, right. Um, well, I actually have a um a news story and not a press release. If I could get to that, this is a this. this is a news story. This is brand new. Um, so let it's me twenty five days of safer Santa. Let me ask you something, Kai. You've heard of um cryptids, right? You're familiar with the concept. Uh, like you mean Dogecoin? N- no, no, not crypto. Uh, mm. uh, so there's I get them confused. Um, a creature that is, a cryptid is a creature that is purported to exist, and um, but there has been no evidence of it that has come forward. Okay, and oftentimes it's this an imaginary is, creature. Um, well, uh, it is oftentimes treated as if it were an imaginary creature. Mm. Um. Even though oftentimes there is good evidence out there that's being disregarded, one can look at uh, Sasquatch as a wonderful example of that. The imaginary creature Sasquatch, yes. This creature, though, was recently, up until very recently, thought to be not just a cryptid but a hoax. And that is, of Mm. course, what I'm talking about is Rhydogradentia. Rhydogradentia. Rhydogradentia, known as Snouters. I've never heard of this. Well, exactly, um, because for the longest time, it was considered a not just a cryptid, but a hoax by um, the n- formerly disgraced Harold Stumpke, um, who purported the existence of this disease on an island that no longer exists. Oh, so this is a disease? No, 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 I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, no, this is an animal. Who They're has not- the disease? Does the animal have the disease? It's not a disease. Are we sure? I'm pretty sure. The point is, mm-hmm. is there is new evidence that, that describes the snouter. A a uh, a large nose bone, as a matter of fact, has been discovered in Fiji. What a large nose bone! Well, that's the thing about the snouter. It's mm-hmm. it's known as the snouter because it has a large t- nose that is used in a number of ways. 
that that uh, sort of it's the largest feature of the animal. Um, okay, so, like an anteater. Um, well, yes, like but, but but even more so, um, it's things like detecting predators, mating. It would catch fish with its nose, um, purportedly. So because this is a hoax we're talking about? Well, they well, they thought it was a hoax, but Harold Sumka has been vindicated by the discovery of this nose bone. By a single nose bone? Yes. That's, that would vindic- uh, vindicate a man with a single bone. Um, right. And the, the tragic thing is, is that it has only gone extinct recently when the island that Harold Stumka was working out of and had discovered these animals was, in fact, had an atomic bomb dropped on it. Um, mm. But this is, in fact, evidence for it. Um, and since Snouters, Form and Life of the Rhinograds, mm was published in 1965 posthumously, the zoological establishment has been dismissive of the existence of these creatures. And it has finally come forward that they exist. This is an, it, it, pardon the expression, this is an epic win for science and, oh. and an epic win for those who would be concerned with cryptids and whether or not these cryptids exist. Um, it certainly sounds like an epic win. So I'm guessing that the uh, the zoological association is uh, uh, taking big, this. Big zoo. Big has, zoo is taking this into into open arms. Well, you know what? Big zoo has yet to eat crow, if you'll pardon the expression. But it's only a matter of time. I have no idea what that even means. An exquisitely preserved full snouter skull. Oh. Well, full nose portion of the snouter skull. Okay. Full nose, not how that do whole you, skull. How do you dispute that how do you argue against that how do we know that it is how how is this how do we know that this is in fact the nose the nose bone of this specific creature what evidence is there of that well i i i can't i can't get i i don't know that specifically besides mm. the sort of morphological comparisons between the snouters as depicted in the treatise put out and uh-huh. this fossil i'm not a biologist of that sort sure but i know that this is true because i the people that i'm hearing this from the sources that i've heard this from are um experts in cryptozoology and and they know when they see evidence when it's there I we're waiting would, for the, the ones we're that... waiting for the ivory tower to to recognize it. I will admit that um, we're all waiting on that. But I know the Stumka estate is going to be very happy about this um, because it is vindication for the um, tragically gone too soon Harold Stumka. When yeah, when was he when was he die when did he die? Nineteen sixty five. There was an atomic bomb test. Oh, he was in the atomic bomb test. Well, the island was. It's like sort more. It was less of an island, more of an atoll, and uh-huh. yes, they did. We did not just lose the specimen; we also lost the man, the only man to have seen the specimen. And that's what makes this such a um, such a uh, bittersweet revelation. Right. Um, that's that's very unfortunate, Rowan. But it's time to move on to my next story, which is uh, which is also, or I should say, which is actually uh, some science that com- has come out of archaeology and having to do with bones. Oh, I love talking about bones. Bones are so fascinating. Um, and this is a story that um, I recently discovered. We did a little bit of research down here at the New Media Labs. But there is a man. Uh, we discovered the bones of a man fleeing from uh, the Vesuvius eruption uh, who, was, uh, who was vaporized by volcanic matter that rained down upon him. This is the famous Vesuvian eruption from uh, Mount Vesuvius 2,000 years ago. It's one of the most famous er- uh, volcano eruptions in history, I dare say. It's up there. It's certainly up there. 
It's, I mean, what, what's what's above it, Rowan? Well, Mount St. Helens, maybe. Uh, no. 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 This this one this one lasted two days. I suppose that's true. Two days and le- led to the ruin of entire Roman cities, including most famously uh, Pompeii and uh, Herculaneum. 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 Well, I, I, you know, um, this, you know, as much as I love archaeology, um, you know, they're digging things out of these wreckages all the time. Mm-hmm. Guy, this, I mean, what, what's, what's, what's so big that um, you're going to besmirch my story about snouters and a man vindicated mm-hmm. after being long dead for some, some, some toasty Romans? Well, frankly, I just think the story is is a lot more interesting. Um, it's a remarkable findings. Archaeologists discovered. His skeletons, a full skeleton of this of this man, an individual that they are saying was rushing away from the uh, to escape the cascading molten rocks. I believe was there, uh, um, was there, were their words. According to archaeologists, they're able to even pinpoint from the skeleton from these remains that the man was in his early forties, was fleeing in a hurry. Um, oh, really? Possibly fearing for his life. Well, that's that's quite um, the discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's not all, really. Well, okay. Is is the thing? Um, you see, based on the examination um, of the skeleton and based on a lot of tests that they did, um, they were able to determine that the, that the man was a son of a merchant who was, uh, and the merchant himself was a stoic man. His father was a stoic man whose wisdom was widely respected. And this is coming from the dig. Uh, specifically from the bones in the sort of the surrounding area, yes. Um, in, in fact, it's it's believed that the the man's father had told him, um, this 40, 40 year old uh, man who was running away from the volcano, you will inherit this empire one day, selling goods all across this great land. Um, but it was very clear, based on the remains, that this man had other plans. And this was in an it's like a, a note that was tucked in a pocket, or uh, spectroscopy. Okay. Um, so uh, as ashen winds, and this is a note from, uh, from the archaeologists, as ashen winds brushed through the cypress trees and a wolf howled its melancholy song in the distance, its teeth shimmered under the evening moonlight, just to, to set the scene of this man rushing away from his, uh, from his demise. As archaeologists often do, setting the scene. Among the calls and screams, the man heard whispers bark out all around him. Was it the ghosts of those <laughs> whom he has betrayed or something far more sinister? A chill ran down his spine even as the thermal energy pushed outwards. And I'll let you know that th- this thermal energy was uh, 100,000 times the thermal energy of the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So these are some very powerful uh, thermal winds. It really sets it into perspective, doesn't it? Exactly. Um, and what's even more fascinating is that it was found next to this man's body. Uh, he was that he was carrying a wooden box, a hard pine expertly crafted with eastern insignia, um, and the box contained a ring, possibly his most prized possession. Did these insignia actually survive the uh, um, the, the, the the eruption and all that? Yeah, there was sort of a, a, vulcaniz- a vulcanization right. uh, that took place. Carbonization. One of those two, yeah. Um, and what we can tell is the ring did survive, and the ring was imbued with a power with the power of a noble sigil, hungry as the desperate sea. And this is coming from the historians. This is coming, yes. This is coming from the historians, yes, the archaeologists, I should say, um, who took just two seconds away from describing this man's feet to uh, <laughs> to talk about this ring. 
And the footsteps, he undoubtedly, it's always yeah. surprising fa- when they can get away from the fact, footsteps. Yeah, the very next line is, in the moments this man's steps grazed the familiar earth of his half-brother's cursed city, the familiar mantra fa- uh, flashed across his mind, omnes una magnet nox. He sneered, a bitter sneer. His eyes have seen a thousand lands, each more wretched than the last. Was he to die here on the eve of his reckoning? It was uh, so. It was one a.m. Another historical context. It was one a.m. when the uh, the the sort of the surge of the volcano uh, had reached the town, um, and it's believed that the temperatures, the town where he was, uh, you know, he died, um, and it's believed that the temperatures uh, had ranged from three hundred to four hundred degrees, or even according to some studies, the temperatures were between five hundred and seven hundred degrees, um, and I believe that is in. Uh, Celsius. That, that sounds like something an archaeologist could actually tell us. It's it's truly amazing what modern modern tests can do. Um, and one last thing that they did note about this this man um, rushing for his safety was as the smoke overtook him, a peace not known since his youth in the Carthaginian fields before the fateful day at the ruins at that old temple speckled with moss burned itself into his soul just moments before death. As molten rock jolted towards him, he breathed out his final haunting thought. Jacob. What, did they whisper as well? Did the archaeologists whisper? Or was that an embellishment on your part? <laughs> tomato, tomato. Um, so this man would be vaporized moments later. His story forgotten in time. Well, it certainly paints a vivid picture, if nothing else. It truly does, and that's the power of sciences. We can bring these stories to life with new remarkable evidence. Okay, well, I have a um, very, very uh, short um, thing, a little update I want to do, because uh-huh. we, we are running well on time in the first half of the portion, mm-hmm. uh, as we always do, first portion of the show. Um, so I have a very quick Eureka Soapbox. Now, wellness. Eureka soapbox. Uh, yeah, and and that's to say, I have a bit of a, um, uh, I I have an opinion, a bit of an, this is a bit of editorializing, which we try mm. to avoid to we on the show. I really try to. I'm going to really advise against that. Right? Well, problem. The, the the issue is is that oftentimes when there's these issues of science and technology um, and wellness in particular, there's so much misinformation going out around, and there's so. Um, many voices clamoring for your attention. Certainly Sometimes true. it is the per- we need to as educators, mm-hmm. as information givers, as informationalists, wisdom um, seekers and providers, and curious minds. We need to be providing um, some some uh, some opinions, some ideas, some guidance in the in the dark in the dark passageways that are science. Exactly, and so. To this end, there's um, a story out now, or a uh, some. There's a story out now uh-huh. involving the healthcare industry, the wellness industry, uh-huh. um, and specifically sort of the hierarchy therein. Okay. Um, in the medical field, the um, you know the Western conventional medical field, right? You have your nurses who report to the nurse practitioners, who report to the physicians' assistants, who report to the doctors, and there's sort of a a hierarchy, um, a hierarchy yeah. of not just responsibilities but, but also money. Uh, uh, wages uh, um expertise sure. 
One, yes. Uh, knowledge. Um, likewise, for light working, spe- it's specifically the wellness field. And granted, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different names for this, but there's a similar hierarchy. Where is a instead of a nurse, we have something we would call them an initiate, um, perhaps. Um, perhaps. Perhaps. You know, there's many. The wellness industry covers a lot of fields, but initiate, uh-huh. um, childling, neonate, <laughs> etc. Um, okay. Then from there, you have the awakened who are a step up and know different things. Once again, there's different names for that, mm-hmm. who then are under the lamplighters, who are then under the light workers, who are the, um, the, the, the main practitioners, the ones who have proven themselves to know and understand these wellness uh-huh. principles. And, now, Rowan, aren't, aren't, wouldn't you describe yourself as a light worker? I do, and I have put the blood, sweat, tears, and... Uh, mostly tears, into mm-hmm. becoming a light worker, wrestling well, with demons, both allegorical and physical. Yeah, I would um, assume that the blood and sweat was not your own, but other other people's. Well, vitae, but nevertheless. Mm-hmm. Um, the lamplighters, who in are trying to rebrand themselves uh-huh. as light worker associates. Mm, so they're sort of, sort of being ambitious. Well, you know, there's some arguments that they have about, yes, that they do a great deal. They do more work than it sounds like when, you know, just as a uh, lamplighter, Mm -hmm. Um, which is false. I have never met a group of individuals who were so lazy in their life. Um, As all lamplighters? This is my my editorial right now. This is Um, your own personal opinion. This is my own personal opinion. As a... a being a light worker uh-huh. or a shaman or a twin flame, whatever you may call synonymous it, terms. depending on your field of wellness, that's tens of thousands of hours working with patients as you work your way to be able to call your that. Mm-hmm. Um, seeking enlightenment and, and filling your cup with wisdom till it doth flow over. Uh, these are all, being these are a lamplighter requires half that amount of time. Um they don't have that level of experience and, frankly, moral integrity. And what this oh. is, is this is, as you said, people, it's a blatant push for power that is going to only confuse those uh-huh. who need help and sort of, you know, diminish what it means to call yourself a light worker, mm-hmm. what it is to be on that level of wellness counseling. And I'm, I'm, I mean, is there I don't what is it? What is in it for the lamplighters? Honestly, what prestige? It's it's um, and this is goes back to my main point. Lamplighters to reach that level, uh-huh. you have to have a certain bit of ambition, but it's not tempered by the wisdom. The sort of middle management. They don't have the moral integrity to be calling themselves light workers. And if mm-hmm. I, um, this is not a call to action, but if you are in fact seeing a wellness counselor of some sort, if you are taking your wellness into your own hands and working with professionals, if they say they're a light worker clarify that they are not a light worker associate clarify ask, that ask last them, them or look them in the eyes and ask them if they are in fact a just a lamplighter it's, and if they do if they are trying to as this individual with less expertise pass themselves off uh-huh. as a fully fledged light worker i would encourage you to get as far away from those people as possible because their intentions are not pure and negative results are likely so, but but if these people are, are if these lamplighters that are that are why do they not just call themselves light workers if they're so if they have such low moral standards and that is a huge problem and that, and that is a huge issue a lot of these so called hucksters and charlatans uh-huh. and 
you know, bad actors in the wellness community. They're not true light workers. And that and that is not even a moral judgment, even though it is in a sense. It's, that is just these people that are unscrupulous and essentially learn half the material they need to and then run off and immediately start shooting from the hip. Is there some sort of degree that they that you get if you're a light worker? Well, degrees, um, certifications, sashes. Um, you know, all sorts of ways in which the distinction is made because uh, wellness is not a monolith, but it mm-hmm. does tend to sh- follow these hierarchical traditions on purpose. So you should you should ask to see this uh, this wellness caregivers sashes to to verify their identities or insignia, emblems, etc. Um, sure. Yes. Uh, and that's my Eureka soapbox. Do not be fooled by these individuals who are calling themselves white worker associates. They are lamplighters, filthy, grubby, ashy lamplighters. And do not allow them to fool you. And that is my Eureka soapbox. Well, that was um was endlessly fascinating, Rowan. Um I'm glad this show can be an outlet for your opinions. For medical uh I can't call it medical advice. Wellness I can't call it wellness advice. Wellness um, um, suggestions. Well, let's let's uh, let's move on to. Uh, it is now just about halfway through the show. Uh, we will be taking a quick break as we prepare you for the the special feature in the second half of the show. Something very, a bit heavy. So mm-hmm. now is the time to sort of reflect. Do your stretches. Do your stretches and have a little fun with the mid show midterm. Mid show midterm, which is us asking you a question that you can sort of. Uh, a mall over you could sort of chew on as you listen to the uh, the music that takes place halfway through the show and the question this week is um, it's a really fun one it's one that um, I took straight out of the vault here at the new media labs and that is uh, which 80s song by a notable one-hit wonder best describes what the data tells us about the stock market currently so this is our somewhat political, I wouldn't say political, but more financial adjacent scientific story. You know, one could argue that um, FinSci. FinSci is inherently political, but people could argue a lot of silly things. So what does that they mean? Could, they could argue about lamplighters till they're blue in the face. Um, so, which 80s song by a notable one-hit wonder best describes what the data tells us about the stock market currently? The four choices are The Mungles Video Killed the Radio Star. It's the first one. The second one is Bow Wow Wow's I Want Candy. The third one is uh, Taco Taco's Putting on the Ritz. And the fourth, fourth one is uh, the well-known Rodney Dangerfield's Rappin' Rodney. These are four songs by One Hit Wonders, uh, One Hit Wonder musical artists from the 1980s. And, and it's up to you, citizen scientists, to determine which of these best describes the stock market currently um, in how the data tells it. So I'll give you, a, give you a little bit of time to mull that over, and your answer will come after the short station break. Yes, so please stay tuned. And we are back. We are back. Welcome back, uh, citizen scientists out there. Hopefully you had some time to ponder over our mid-show, mid-term question. Um, and hopefully you came to it to an answer, and we are going to answer that right now. So if you don't recall, uh, uh, I'm going to pull up that question right now. Uh, the question is, which 
1980s song by a notable one-hit wonder best describes what the data, so this is from data scientists, what the data tells us about the stock market currently. And where is this data coming from, Kai? Um, from the data scientists, Rowan. Oh. Uh, and the possibilities are the bungle, the, bu- the buggles, the bungles, the buggles, a uh, video killed the radio star, uh, bow wow wow, I want candy, tacos putting on the Ritz, and then, of course, uh, or of course, Roddy Dangerfield's rapping Rodney. Um, so, uh, Rowan, Rowan, what do you think it is? Well, truthfully, I don't follow the stock market. I'm more of a um, commodities sort of individual myself. Mm, crypto. Um, uh, gold buried in my backyard. But um, so I, I really don't know what they're doing, but I'm going to assume that given the, the the nature of um you know uh, the markets uh, vis-a-vis greed mm-hmm. and capitalism mm-hmm. and all that i'm going to say bow wow wow i want candy i'm i'm going to assume the mood in the market is g- g- reaching for mm-hmm. um candy or profits or right, whatever right. it's sort of like uh it's sort of like from the uh from the notable uh movie called um wall street wall street notable movie wall street uh back in action um the main characters boss baby yes from boss baby the the notable line from the uh from the main character is i believe uh greed is good um which seems almost interchangeable the character could have just said i want candy so i see where you're coming from with that rowan but I'm here to tell you that, in fact, the correct answer is, and this is, I mean, and this is the, the markets are in fluctuation. There's lots of different things going on there. The data tells us just that it's, it's really out there uh, nowadays, what with crypto and, um, and everything. Uh, and, well, the correct answer is Rodney Dangerfield's Rappin' Rodney. Really? Yes. No, I don't think I have heard this song before. Um, mm. I, I, apparently, it was a big deal in the 80s, supposedly. Uh, most likely, yes. But what I can tell you is that this is the this is the song that the algorithms tell us is the most reminiscent of our current stock market conditions right now. And I could go on for ages on why and all the factors and features and and everything like that. But well, citizen scientist, why don't you just uh, listen for yourself? Friends don't call, my phone don't ring. I don't get a break with anything. What's the matter, Rodney? Ah, death, where is my sting? It's just Rodney. Ain't that Yeah, so this is sort of where our stock market is currently. I'll have to take your word on that, Kai. It's, it's, it, there, there are wild times out there um, on Wall Street, um, in, bo- in the Boss Baby neighborhoods out there. Um, so, yeah. Citizen scientist, if you guessed Rap and Rodney, you were absolutely correct, and uh, consider yourself an honorary data scientist. Um, but now it is time for us to move on to our special feature of the night, and this special feature is about something that I'm sure many people out there cannot get, just cannot hear enough about, and that is the new strain, the new chapter in the Mallow 21 uh, pandemic. The new Mallow 21 strain has been discovered, and we want to inform you what we know about it 
and how you, citizen scientist, can, in fact, protect yourself. Right. And this ties back into the whole lamplighter, um, lightworker Does associate it? issue. Yes. Where In we, what way, Rowan? Where we have a duty uh-huh. as individuals who are science communicators, wisdom you know, instillers, mm-hmm. where— As an authority— Individuals, there's so much going on, so much you know, cross chatter so and much. information occurring. Twenty, the the, the, 20, the, the problem is, is the twenty four hour news cycle. Um, it's just a lot. People are saying a lot of a lot of different things. And, things and, are getting confused. And how does one? Who does one trust? How does one get one's information? And I think we can say right. as as as. Um, experts in as the experts. field of communication as of a, science and as technology a media, concepts as a media disruption developer and and a light worker and wellness expert we can come to you as the authority to clear away the 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 rough parts and and really give you the what we know about uh, the new strain and how you can protect yourself. And uh, exactly. So um, with that in mind, we know this is a heavy subject. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want content warning. I, I want to also preface this by saying that this is while a highly educated opinion, mm-hmm. um, it is our own. And it is based off of information that is rapidly changing. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- whether or not these points are accurate or helpful in a to week, you, to you, to you, where you live, and possibly the time that you're listening to. It's probably that the probability is high, but there is the chance that things could change. Right. And so, uh, if you are listening to this, you know, uh, four or five months down the line, mm-hmm. keep that in mind that this is the snapshot of what we know now. What we absolutely one hundred percent know. So why don't we start off? So um, let's talk about the bad news, let's I talk suppose. About that bad news, um, because this is a, a bad news story. It's a bad news story. There is a new variant of Mela Twenty One. It's come to town. It's come to the world. It is uh, currently being called the Omicron variant. Um, that's because you just gotta call things. You just gotta call things as you see them, and we're calling I, this I, one Omicron. I'm sorry. I think I see a a, a typo. What do you mean? It's Omicron. There's no N. I think I'm Omicron. pretty sure it's it's Omicron. Omicron. It's a Greek letter. No, I'm pretty sure Omicron is the Greek Greek letter. I believe that's a transformer. <laughs> let's well, let's agree to disagree here, Rowan. I think one of us is right. I, I um, uh, if I could get into the slides and change this, I would. But here we are. Um, but yes, there is um, the Omicron variant the Omicron of Mallow Twenty One mm-hmm. has officially been. Uh, discovered and sort of detailed. And, um, you know, there's a lot of questions out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we, sh- we should talk about, what do we know? Yes, what what we currently know right now. In terms of current possible areas of infection ex- specifically. Ex- exactly. So based on what we know, uh, based on the data that we have, this these are the possible locations that you may uh, you should try to avoid if you want to avoid coming in contact with the Omicron variant. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just go through the list. There's anime and, conventions. The, the, a big one. Um, big one. We Recent discoveries of people coming from anime conventions with them. I mean, they are 
in a way, even more filthy and a hotbed for disease than um, perhaps a uh, you know a sewage grate or, or a, a wet market. Um, you know, it is um, it is unsurprising this is where it would be detected sure. um, based off of my limited experience going to various cons. Um, right, and it's not just it's not just our experience. It is in fact the data that tells us this. The next one you should be wary of are uh, comic conventions. Um, Sit of the same thing. Yes, but we have to distinguish them or we'll get a, a angry emails. Exactly. So, um, yes. Which is um, why the third one is uh, it's video game conventions. Again, three, it's sort of the triad, the three, three different faces of the same, uh, the same just filthy, disgusting beast. Um, you know, it, 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 pestilence comes in many ways, mm-hmm. and oftentimes it is a gentleman in a Naruto headband. Exactly. Um, um, so on top of that, you should also be wary of people that appear to be involved in some way with uh, these fandoms, these communities. Right. We, we who might have come in contact. Possible possible transmission uh, sources. Uh, vectors, patient zeros. Exactly. Um, so it's not just people that are displaying symptoms. These could be uh, being wary of people with uh, anime body pillows. Which are often filthy in their own right. Um, right. But it's, it's also a sign that somebody has gone to an anime convention or one of these other sort of conventions. Uh, next up. Uh, swords, swords, bad sign, and and and, and it should be clarified too that um, it it sort of depends on the type of sword right. one might see. Uh, if it's perhaps a antique uh, zweihander mm-hmm. um, hanging above their mantle. Um, as they uh, sit in a robe and drink their tea, mm-hmm. that's less of a vector, less of a worry than, than a long, just a long sword or a rainbow katana, sure. um, any number of shurikens. That's not a sword, but right. kind of goes in the same idea. Right. Um, Last one, fast passes. Without that doesn't even need to be said. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that would be a wonderful um, sort of discriminatory way yeah. in which you could be able to uh, determine if someone is at risk, at a higher risk of transmission. Mm-hmm. Ask them, um, so d- did you, um, I'm thinking of going to such and such theme park. Do you uh, Do you have anything I could borrow? They say, sure, I have fast passes. That is the right. cue to leave the room. Con- yeah, consider this a fast pass to disease. Um, so right. we've talked about Talked about we talked about the virus a little where bit. Where it is, what what to look out for, who might be carrying it. What do we know about the virus itself? That's right. the next question. That's the next question. And we know we know quite a few things. Um, so the first one, we can talk about the size and shape of the virus. So uh, looking at Mao 21 Alpha, um, the Mao 21 we are familiar with. We have all seen See this picture to yeah. death. It's been made into memes um, of various tastefulness. <laughs> um, it has um, some people even putting tattoos on themselves of some it. Some people are bu- buying uh, animal uh, stuffed animals of this. It's iconic. It's an iconic yes. shape. Um, or Funko Pops. On, on the other hand, the Omicron... Yeah, the Omicron. The Omicron variant, um, excuse me, Omicron variant has a um, a different shape, right? Um, based off of our knowledge, um, and we we just and the fact of the matter is we just don't know. We don't know what that different shape looks like. It could be bigger, maybe smaller. It may be a different color. We're but that, that's that's what the data shows us right now. Yeah, the data is really just showing us that it's it's, it's sort of anybody's ball game there. 
Um, so we know about the shape and size. We know that it's totally different. Now well, let's talk about transmission. Um, and that's the big concern. We've already talked about the um, sort of the the points at which uh, you might expect to get uh, exposed, mm -hmm. sort of the individuals to look out for, mm -hmm. um, the events to avoid. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it, as far as the actual mechanics of transmissibility, mm -hmm. this is what we know. So we start off with... Um, Malware well, 21 Alpha, as we call it. Um, so based on droplets in the, in, the, in the mouth, coming out of the mouth and the nose. Right. We know that it, you, you, if you're indoors, you're gonna, it's going to be more easy to transmit. Uh, not wearing a mask, that sort of thing. Not wearing a mask. Uh, you should keep in a ventilated room, most likely, because it helps ventilate the air, take away the droplets and things like that. Staying six feet apart. Common, so at this point, very common knowledge. Yeah. Now, moving on to... Omicron. Omicron, somewhat different. Somewhat different, perhaps even more sinister, mm -hmm. um, and more worrisome is uh, we don't know. We just don't know. It's very possible that this, this, uh, this virus, it's easier to transmit outside. And that maybe you want to be inside with a lot of people. Whether or not it's droplets mm -hmm. or perhaps mist. Uh, a mist, uh, uh, a fog, perhaps. Sure. It's anyone's guess at this point. Liquid. It could be just a solid liquid or just like a pure liquid. Some sort of some sort of ooze mm -hmm. that occurs in your socks and in your bed mm -hmm. when you sleep at night. Maybe sentient. It could be. It could be a number of things. We just simply don't know. We just don't know. Um, and that's what the data tells us. So uh, next thing, let's talk about mutations. Mm -hmm. I think. That's been something that a lot of um, things in the media right. have, have talked about and a lot of um, figures, some well-informed, some less-informed, have right. pointed to with regards to the difference. Um, how many – just how – how many mutations can come from these variants? How easy it is for these uh, variations to mutate? And, and so when we look at... Um, Malware 21 Alpha. There's a lot of capacity for mutations, and we've mm -hmm. already seen a lot of mutations that still fall in to that alpha um, variety, that alpha strain. Right. It's, it's, you know, it's pretty easy for... And that's one of the most... Um, insidious things about this, the, the virus itself, is that how easy it is to to mutate, how quickly we see it mutating. Right. Um, so many different strains, so so quickly. But so we do see a pretty high, pretty large amount yeah. of of mutations. It's pretty high. Yeah. In, in um, but when we look over and we move to Malware twenty one Omicron. Yeah. We the Omicron. Yeah. We see that there's a lot more. It's just much high. It's just much high. Higher, yes. Um, a little bit high. Uh, it, it's a little bit a bit more high. Uh, and so that kind of leads us to an interesting question and i think right. something that has not been um properly explained mm -hmm. has not been properly um sort of uh, uh elucidated right you know and that is whether or not um it, whether being able to mutate more is a is it dangerous or less dangerous thing or perhaps even a good thing how yeah how much of a risk does this actually pose to you and me. Because a mutation is just a change. It's just a change. It's nothing to be scared of. Um, and that change can be for the positive or the negative. Exactly. So I think the best um, metaphor that we can give, we can use here mm -hmm. is, um, and to bring us back a little bit, is, of course, famous um, superhero team, the X-Men. Yes. The, uh, the X-Men, these are a group of, of superheroes in the, uh, well, I don't want to talk about where they are, but they are, they're in the media. And they're a group of mutants, as they're called. They have special abilities. Some of them use their powers to fight 
uh, fight for good. Some of them use their powers to fight for evil and self-interest and hatred. And that is the best example we could possibly give as to our understanding of the Omicron variant yes. and its mutations. So it could, yeah. So I guess the real question here, and then the data, we don't. Uh, the data tells us that we just don't know yet whether this is in fact more of a uh, a Professor X. Um, the Omicron variant is sort of a Professor X, you know, fighting for good, bringing people together, um, or it's, as we call it in the medical science data areas, a magneto. Which is less good. Which is, yeah, not very good at all. Um, so moving along from mutations, um, novel features of the virus, mm-hmm. and that's always, I think, the one that m- most people are actually um, interested in, right. is is what is this going to do, if anything, different than the last variant? Yeah, the things that we can actually sort of see and with, and we actually experience. Um, so the first question we have are, are, what are the symptoms? How do we know whether we have the Omicron? Um, Omicron. Know, the Omicron variant, yes. Um, so... What we know, what the data tells us about, you know, the current possible symptoms are, yeah, some may be the same, some may be sort of similar to what we, uh, what we expect in a respiratory virus, uh, right. you know, coughing, dry cough, fever, etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, and well, some some may just be totally different. And that's kind of the big question. That's yeah. the big the big ask. You know, is where does it fall on this spectrum? Mm-hmm. Um, and the next big question um, that I would say something that has definitely followed. Uh, just Mala 21 Alpha for the longest time is how long does this virus remain? Because that, you know, really changes how long you have to quarantine and, and different things like that. Yeah, and not necessarily the body either, but on a surface, mm-hmm. for example, exactly. or in the air. Um, the ability for a this virus, a, this to, this pathogen to um, exist in the air and, and around us will determine, obviously, how much of a uh, transmission rate we, you see. And how much of a threat it is, yeah. Right. So um, so there are some reports that tell us that it's possibly one-fifth as long as uh, Mala-21-alpha. Which would be wonderful, which means that it would it would clear from the system very quickly and mm-hmm. it, we, you wouldn't have to worry about sanitizing things as much. But I get the feeling that, unfortunately, there's also... There's the also pof- possible data that shows us that it might be uh, 10 times as long. And the data is equally relevant for either of those. Right, and it's not just a one, it's not just an either or. There's every, it's a spectrum. Right. It could be anywhere in the middle of Or perhaps two. both based off of body chemistry. 100%, absolutely. Um, so with all that out of the way, Here's the real question, sort of the big picture question. Mm-hmm. What does the future hold? What should we expect from the results of of this uh, this new variant? Right, and we've taken we've taken predictability algorithms. We've really we've really looked at all the different possibilities here. We've really dug into the data as much as we can with something that's so new and so um, you know cutting edge. Mm-hmm. But we do have two ideas that we think could um, two two rough outcomes for this scenario. Estimates, predictions. Um, The first one we're calling possibility one, and this is, uh, well, a happy ending sort of, uh, you know, we see people are coming together more, they don't need to wear masks, they're playing in the park, it's sort of, we, you know, it's it's a... Holding hands, singing songs, and and, and being able to hold hands again and not have to worry about holding hands with strangers, not having to worry about that. Yeah, and just bringing those smiles back to those faces. Uh, Tongue kisses all around, you know, Uh etc. The way it used to be. Yeah. Uh, then there's possibility two. It's not good. It's just not looking things very go, good. Things things go poorly. Uh, they go they go they break very bad very quickly. Yeah. And uh, you know, once again, the data shows 
it could very well be one of these situations. It's, it's very likely that it is one of these or possibly anything in between. Um, and with that, uh, that that is the, all of the information we have available on mm-hmm. the Omicron variant of Mallow Twenty One. Yes. We are we are happy to elucidate it all for you. Hopefully, that has been informative. That has been helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, that um, you can be safer with this knowledge. Hopefully, this now can show you what choices to make in your daily life and how concerned to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we um, need to move. Let's move pretty quickly because we are running low on time to our citizen science. Wonderful. Um, of course, this is the part of the show where we discuss the research findings and data collected by those amateur scientists out there in the world on the street and posted to social media. And this is a PSA for my fellow, um, uh, you know, toot tutors, puff puffers, um, the, those who enjoy tutors? marijuana, snouters, um, people who enjoy marijuana, either recreationally mm-hmm. or, you know, prescribed. Mm-hmm. But it's a bit of a PSA, and it reads as such. PSA weed smokers, if it smells like burning popcorn or plastic, stop smoking it because there's fentanyl in it. If you scratch a nug, and, that, and I'm just to step out, a nug is what we call in the um, in the marijuana sort of sphere, that is an, a, 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 nugget. A, a, a nugget, an amount of weed. Mm-hmm. Um, if you scratch a nug on a CD and it scratches it, there's glass in it. And finally, if your cartridge smell tastes like lemon pledge or pine saw, stop smoking. Be safe and aware out there. And it's really frightening to think mm-hmm. that there are people selling adulterated doobies out there. <laughs> yeah, and and really the thing is like the reason this is citizen scientists because citizen science is because this comes from actual data. This is something that's going on right now out there. And there's a procedure that is being offered. Yeah, and take there's... take your nug and a CD. <laughs> And and, the test, yes. and rub it along the CD. If there are scratches, um, then it has been adulterated with uh, with glass. Yeah, and unfortunately, this is the only way to ensure that you your your safety in the in the weed smoking process. It's brutal. It is brutal out there for the uh, weed smokers. Uh, yeah. uh, very hard. Very hard. Um, so I'd like to close on a quote by uh, Howard Gurr, who is a private equity uh, meteorologist, and um, he said this: "Data is nothing." without information. Rikikast now is meticulously researched, produced, and presented with the support of Tech Brothers, New Media Labs in Chicago, Illinois. We are broadcast every Saturday evening, 8 to 9 p.m. CST on WLPN, LP 105.5, Lumpen Radio, and simulcast live on twitch.tv slash Lumpen Radio at that same exact time. Except for not next week. The, yeah. Um, we got... Bumped for a uh, for Kate Bush for a Kate Bush sort of tribute. Um, it's it's a sort of a political. We, we shouldn't really get into it, but it's um, we looked at the data anyway. Um, but if you'd like to get in contact with us, please follow us at EurekaCast on Twitter and Instagram, and you can visit our website at EurekaCast.org, which you can do even next week as we are being replaced by the uh, Kate Bush tribute. Uh, yes. Um, uh- yeah, and if you do engage in other forms of social media, please feel free to find us at facebook.com slash EurekaCast or send an electronic mail to EurekaCastNow at gmail.com where you can share with us any te- technological, scientific, or spiritual breakthroughs you've witnessed or participated in. Additionally, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the program, feel free to reach out at that email, which is once again EurekaCastNow at gmail.com. And with that, Chicago, allow us here at EurekaCastNow to give you the shield of wisdom, the sword of knowledge and the mask of data 
as you go out onto uncertain paths. But be careful because swords are a sign of the Omicron.